and welcome to We Are History with me, Angela Barnes. And me, John O'Farrell. And this week, oh, it's a festive corker this week, isn't it, John? Oh, oh, oh everybody. Oh, 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 we're in December. We thought we'd make it really... Cri- no, not at all. No, this week... Well, it's, well, it's John who's chosen this week's topic. Um, yeah. Do you want to explain yourself? Well, <laughs> as a male history nerd of a certain age, it's compulsory that I do an episode about the Second World War. British yes. white bloke, you know, in his, <laughs> you know, the later end of his life. You could be sure he knows slightly too much about Spitfire's D-Day, Hitler's invasion of Russia. So, yeah, uh, that was that's it's, it's in the contract, Angela. Got to you do <laughs> it with do a it. man of my age. It's, your Second World War is going to come up slightly too often. Of course, all yeah. those that that youth of reading comics with Spitfires in and all the yeah valiant and take this yes. hand thwack. Um, <laughs> I never read those actually. My friends did, and I thought well, I just no jokes in them. I always read the Beano and Dandy, but there we go. But yeah, I never got it. But never read a book about. And and you love fascism. Oh, fascism is oh, it's, it's so. I just love the gear. Do you know what I mean? The way that the they're way very smartly jumpers, dressed. I'll give very, them that. Well turned out. No, the, hear me out, Barnsley. Sorry, sorry, far, I couldn't resist. The farcical, that. sort of pathetic last two years of Mussolini's life, in particular, seem like one of those very rare bits of history, a bit of World War Two that hasn't been done to death. So people are obsessed with Hitler, but they don't know much about. Europe's original fascist dictator. I mean, when my daughter was a teenager, she genuinely thought Mussolini was a type of pasta. Oh, is that, is that one of your jokes or is that real? Did she genuinely say it's that? True. It's true. She did. She said it. I do wonder if Mussolini was a was a bit miffed. Like Hitler basically took his brand and just went further with it. You know, Benito saying to Hitler, mate, look, between us, we fascists have conquered most of mainland Europe, haven't we? And Hitler's like, no. I've conquered Poland, France and the Low Countries, Denmark, Norway, the Balkans, huge chunk of Russia, and you have conquered Albania. Yeah, but between us, that's that's quite a lot, isn't it, between us? <laughs> so, quick bit of background on, uh, on Mussolini before the war. And he yeah. was the OG fascist, the original. Yeah. And um, so when his kids said, oh, Dad, you're such a fascist, it was sort of justified. Oh, yeah, it's quite. <laughs> <laughs> he led a coup d'etat in 1922, the March yeah. on Rome, when 60,000 black shirts had marched on the city. And in order to avoid violence, the king had said to Mussolini, oh, all right, then you can be prime minister. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this podcast is going to focus more on uh, Mussolini, the rubbish war leader. But yeah. Um, just for background, he quickly removed political opposition through his secret police. He outlawed strikes, transformed the country into a totalitarian state. On the newsreels, actually, when you watch him on YouTube or something, he looks like a real buffoon, like a parody of a dictator. And smug way he holds himself and folds his arms and nods. It reminds me of Donald Trump, actually, his mm, mannerisms. That sort of pomp. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. The self, so self-satisfied look he has. But... Mm. It seems like he wasn't an idiot. Um, he had been a journalist and he even wrote a novel, Angela, which is always a good and sign. Only, only clever people write novels. Exactly. Very clever right? people. And the more novels you've written, the cleverer you are. I'm not, <laughs> That's I'm exactly not, how it works. I'm not sure Mussolini's uh, novel is still on the staff picks table at Waterstones. I'd be surprised. <laughs> right next to Jordan's. Yes. <laughs> Celebrity memoirs. <laughs> so he did talk in grand terms about a second Roman Empire and he increased Italy's colonial ambitions in... Libya, where they were already present. Yeah. Um, and bombed and invaded Ethiopia. 
Emperor Haile Selassie was forced into exile in Bath, of all places. Well, that, that would explain the massive Rastafarian population in Bath this day, I suppose. <laughs> all those reggae songs about the Royal Crescent and the Roman Baths Visitor Centre. <laughs> we should do an episode on Haile Selassie. It's, yeah, it's a fascinating should, yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. We keep Absolutely. we keep piling up these episodes. Actually, we do. We never, one we never day. get it around. That's to right. We are going to do this podcast till we die, John. So we've got plenty of time. <laughs> Um, one day we'll sort out the technology Um, so in his youth uh, Mussolini had actually taken part in a riot led by the socialists against the Italian war in Libya uh, and he bitterly denounced Italy's imperialism but I suppose lots of people move to the right as they get older don't they they do I didn't know that actually that he'd sort of been on the other side yeah yeah it's it's socialism national socialism it's always a sort of weird jump yeah yeah um, the terrible bombing of Libya and Ethiopia, including with mustard gas, God, yeah. pretty nasty, um, had shown the impotence of the League of Nations and really encouraged Hitler in his uh, expansionist ambitions. Plus, of course, Mussolini gave decisive military assistance to Franco's side, helping the nationalists win the Spanish Civil War. We yeah. did a podcast about that. Yes. Um, so as the 1930s progressed... The democracies are thinking, hang on, I'm not sure I like where all this is heading. Yeah, exactly. It was not looking good. Mm. 1939, Italy had invaded Albania, which Mm. was frankly not a global superpower, but did give him something to brag about from his balcony in Rome. Um, It should be said that Italy at this point was not a major industrial or military power, anything to compare with Britain, Germany or France. Its industrial capacity was tiny compared to the major powers of Europe. It was still predominantly an agricultural economy. So, you know, rubbish tanks, lovely olive oil. Um, <laughs> Air Force, not so good. World Cup winners, yeah, twice in a row. In uh. fact, Mussolini was accused of using the 1934 final, which was in Italy, to promote fascism. Um, it wasn't such a big deal back then, the World Cup, of course, but, you know, Italy yeah. had won it in 34 and 38, as I'm sure you know, Angela. I'm sure yeah, you're about to say that. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> I keep forgetting there's a World Cup on as we're recording this. I was in the pub last night with some friends going, where is everyone? They're like watching the match. What match? It's England, <laughs> no Wales. Yeah, yeah, it was England, Wales. Yeah, I had no <laughs> idea. So in 1939, Hitler and Mussolini sign a pact of steel. Yes. Now, we've said this before, but it is always steel or iron with dictators, isn't it? They never have a, a pact of formica, <laughs> the Hessian treaty. No. Our victory will be won with blood and steel and Velcro. Never happens, no, does it? No, it doesn't. Be I think it'd be more honest. We yeah. will have signed the pact of Velcro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nothing it will can be as undone as easily as it can be done. <laughs> Nothing will rip this apart, apart from a, a quick rip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But despite this alliance, when the war broke out, Mussolini didn't immediately declare war on Britain and France. Hitler had invaded Poland, as you may know. <laughs> Britain, aware, yeah. Britain and France had declared war on Germany, but Mussolini sort of surprised all the European leaders by remaining not exactly neutral, but he adopted a position of what he called non-belligerency. Um, mm. And he actually issued a directive to the Italian press to, to, to praise the Germans, but not to attack the British and French. So he's always a bit nervous about it all. He weirdly, but what he hated most of all was Roosevelt, more than Churchill or Deladier, the French PM. He was mm. obsessed with it, not quite sure why might have been prejudiced against his disability when he sort of promoted the idea of the strong man, the fascist leader being a strong man. And this this guy was in a wheelchair. I don't know. So Mussolini promised Hitler he would come into the war and he bravely waited until France had fallen. And the British had been humiliated and fled without all their equipment over the channel from Dunkirk. So basically, in June 1940, Britain looked like it was beaten. And that is when Mussolini came in on the side of the apparent victors. 
hello, do you need a hand? <laughs> yes, oh, you I appear can... to have done it all. I'm a bit like that with the tidying up in the house. <laughs> I wait, wait till Matt's done it and then go, oh, do you oh, want a hand with that? Oh, we, oh. We've done it. We've done it. <laughs> oh. Didn't we do that together? It's, like, we it's, it's like producers in musicals. You've got all those guys who've raised the money and their names are across the top of the programme and they turn up on the opening night and go, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> you just wrote a check, mate. We've been struggling away for two years on this. <laughs> I'm sure that's so, a, I'm sure that's a comparison that Mussolini himself would have made. Absolutely, <laughs> he's going theater. into his musical theatre. <laughs> he was, yes. So sorry. he rather presumptuously asked Hitler for France to give Italy, Corsica, Tunisia, and Nice, and Hitler was like, "Well, you didn't actually do very much." <laughs> exactly. So it was all a bit embarrassing, <laughs> yeah. a bit awkward. In fact, yeah. Hitler had a plan for France to sort of remain a power you know, a Vichy power in his a puppet state. And that he, you know, part of that deal was that Vichy would continue to rule the colonies. Yeah, Vichy France, of course, being uh, Patin's Patin, bit of yeah. France during the war, the unoccupied zone, but was basically yeah. an authoritarian state that allied yeah. with, uh, Boo. with the baddies. Boo! <laughs> yeah. So, I was going to say Franco then. Wrong episode. Mussolini. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, was slightly distracted that summer uh, because his mistress, lover, bit on the side. It's funny. List, I, I, all the way through this podcast, I wrote mistress. And I thought, that's such an old-fashioned and slightly it sexist really is, word. It isn't it, mistress? But you always say, you know, they always say um, uh, Mussolini was killed with his mistress. And um, Yeah. But, and but, but, that was the term back then. But we'll, we, can, we can mix and match the names. Yeah. Lover, bit on the side. I don't know really what the... Yeah. Just this, yeah, his lover, the fact... He had a lover and a wife. There we are. This wasn't his wife. Claretta, her yes. name was. And she underwent an emergency operation for peritonitis caused by miscarriage. Now, yes. apparently, that's quite unlikely. And more likely that it follows abortion rather than miscarriage. So, which if that was the case, um, surely, John, that would be the only time in history, the only time that a man who is publicly opposed to abortion arranges for a woman he got pregnant to have one. That, that couldn't happen, really. No, I don't think that could have happened. It must be. Never she happened. probably was a miscarriage because otherwise he would have been sort of hypocritical there. You can't, so. you can't be, you know, publicly no. against abortion and then arranging one for your lover. You just can't do that, John. And no, I'm it's, sure it's, it's never happened. It's never happened. Never happened. Same with American preachers, all those yep. guys. You've got to trust yep. them at their word. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> irony, that, my, my irony meter on garage band is <laughs> it's actually going, alert, alert. Go off the scale. There's an alarm going off. I can't. <laughs> so, so perhaps because um, uh, Benito is jealous of all of Hitler's conquests, uh, not in the bedroom. Oh, we should say we've no, just no. said that following <laughs> no, actual conquest, conquest, no metaphors. <laughs> um, but also perhaps because the Greek government were granting the British naval bases in the Med in October 1940, Italy invaded. Drumroll, Greece. So. Mm. Just like the Romans did 2,000, 3,000 years beforehand. Italy eventually from John? Italy. It did not go well, Angela. <laughs> no. 6,000 Albanian troops in the Italian army mutinied. Who can blame them, really? <laughs> no, they would do <laughs> really, would, they? Would yeah. um, and the Greeks pushed the Italians back into the mountains. Do you remember the bits in um, Captain Corelli's ma mandolin when they're in the hills in the snow mm. and they're... Um, the, the battle's just completely in the stalemate in the mountains. That's uh, that's this bit. That's, that's this bit this of the bit war. Of the war. Yes. Yeah. So basically, whenever Mussolini invaded anywhere, it went really badly, and then Hitler had to send in German troops to make up for all the Italian failures. Again, uh, it's like when I tidy the house, I do it really <laughs> badly, so Matt has to come in and do it properly. A lot of historians use this allegory to try and make people <laughs> understand. So Libya, Albania, Greece. 
when Hitler invaded Yugoslavia, Mussolini was like, oh, can I come? Uh, and then Dalmatia was ceded to Italy because it had the prettiest dogs. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, the Italian king's cousin was installed yes. as king of Croatia and another cousin of the king was made king of Montenegro. Right. Um, neither of these kings, of course, ever visited their new kingdoms, which seems a bit rude, John. I'd like to think if I was installed as queen of somewhere, I'd at least go and have a look. Well, you made me Lord of Sealand and I've never been there. <laughs> Well, then you're just as rude, John. <laughs> I, I mean, I would go, Angela, but it just like a bit of an effort to go out into the North Sea on a little boat, climb up onto some sort of rig. <laughs> Maybe if Montenegro's you're a, a bit lord, nicer. you'd do it. <laughs> Maybe Montenegro's a bit more attractive. In January 1941, the British uh, defeated the Italians in Ethiopia, or Abyssinia, as it was probably called then, mm. uh, having invaded from Kenya and Sudan. Um so, in fact, Ethiopia is the first country liberated in the Second World War. Good pub quiz question, Ooh. people. Um, yeah. And Haile Selassie was like, oh, do I have to leave Bath now then? Because yeah. there's a literary festival coming up. Theatre Royal is doing Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been weird. You wouldn't go, oh, yeah, yeah, Bath to Addis Ababa. It's a bit of a change, isn't it? A bit of a shock. Yeah. Weather's better in Addis Ababa, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But the tea rooms, the tea rooms in Addis Ababa, they're nothing like the ones in Bath. Take the waters. You can't take the waters in Addis Ababa. No. <laughs> Hitler invades Russia, Angela. I don't right. know how much you know about the Second World War, but this was a big deal. A big deal, yes. Yeah. I'm vaguely aware of it, John. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, Mussolini was not told about this in advance by Hitler. He, I think he sort of heard about it when his advisors woke him up and went, oh, <laughs> didn't know when to wake up or not. Hitler's invaded like, Russia, quite big news. That kind of felt good, can it? You no. know, the original fascist, and then Hitler doesn't even bother letting you in on the fact he's going to invade Russia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, everyone knew, the British knew, so I don't know how Mussolini didn't know it's going to happen. Mm. Um, he was actually, he'd been really hostile to the Nazi-Soviet uh, pact. So on that level, he was quite pleased. But, you know, it's a bit humiliating for him still. But still... He offered Hitler 230,000 troops to invade Russia. The poor bastards. Can you imagine being some Italian oh. farmer? You're, you know, having a nice time in Tuscany and then suddenly you're sent off to the snows of Russia to die horribly, you know, in a Absolutely badly executed invasion. Terrible. So he was very sort of slavish to the uh, German agenda. One thing that should be said about this period is while the Vichy French were collaborating with the Nazis and helping round up Jews for deportation to the concentration camps and Jews were being betrayed and rounded up in most of occupied Europe. Yeah. The Italian officials were much less zealous in carrying out the orders to send Jews to Poland, weren't they? Germany had invaded Greece, but then put Athens under the control of Italians. But the Italians, they didn't even enforce the wearing of the yellow star of David. Yeah. Um, and it's senior weird. Nazis like Ribbentrop, complained to Mussolini about this, uh, who said he'd do something about it, but he never really did. So he sort of yes. talked up anti-Semitism, but he didn't, they didn't do the deportations themselves. And it wasn't really till the Germans came in and did them themselves. That That's quite interesting. So some credit to the they weren't, it is yeah. some credit to the ordinary Italians. That they didn't sort of pursue this with a zeal that some other occupied countries did. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I suppose anti-Semitism just wasn't as strong in Italy as it was in, say, France. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but we get to 1943. The war's starting to turn, Angela. The Nazis are defeated at Stalingrad. We never, Spoiler alert. 
we've never done a comedy podcast about Stalingrad, have we? Because no, funny some, that some some subjects are just too easy for comedy. I suppose it's just a bit <laughs> too much yeah, of a sitting too dark, many laughs. Yeah, yeah. It's, like the, it's like the beer one and German nudists. Yeah, yeah, just just the punchlines just write themselves, don't they? It's yeah, pointless. Um, and in North Africa, of course, which had initially been an Italian theatre of war against the British, the Allies were victorious at El Alamein. And then an Italian island off Sicily was occupied by the Allies, and it's all going horribly wrong for Mussolini. Yes. And the thing about being a totalitarian dictator and going to war is it's generally advisable not to lose that war. Yes. Um, it does do terrible damage to the image you've spent 20, 30 years building up of yourself as a heroic strongman type. Yes. You know, Vladimir right. Putin maybe should take notes. Or, yeah. or maybe just don't go to war at all. That's the official advice of the We Are History podcast. Any world leaders that are listening, uh, those we know they do listen on a regular basis. War, no. Peace, yes. I think yeah, that, that, that's good. Andrew, I think that can make a real difference. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. If Mussolini had been a listener back then, history might have been different. Yeah, but we, <laughs> we are history changing history, John. <laughs> we are changing history. Could be our new title next season. <laughs> Summer of 1943, Mussolini's popularity in Italy has plummeted. Rome has been bombed by the Allies, which was a great shock. And the Italian aristocrats and senior mm. figures are openly talking about replacing Mussolini. That's a big deal, that, isn't it? Yeah. 10th of July, the Allies invade Sicily and, and, and they quickly make ground. Uh, and early in the year, Mussolini had sort of tried to mollify opinion with the government reshuffle of his fascist council. But in fact, he ended up appointing the men who would soon move against him. And in July, there was a meeting of the fascist Grand Council and a resolution was made to make the king the commander in chief, which, of course, would strip Mussolini of that role. And it passed pretty easily. And Mussolini thought, this is just advisory. I could just ignore that. You know. Yeah. And then soon after, the king met with him and thanked him for his service. And Mussolini's like, a bit, bit weird. <laughs> it's like, uh, why yeah. is he thanking me for service? You know, I'm just right uh, in the middle he turned, of it. <laughs> he literally turned up the next day for uh, work as normal. He didn't quite get what was happening. I mean, 20 years of the cult of personality can do that to a man. But he was driven from the king in a military ambulance. Yeah. And Mussolini was thinking, that's odd. This isn't the way home. Oh, mate, you should have turned left up there. Oh, no, you're going miles out the way. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> he was taken to a barracks and handed a letter from the king informing them that the king had appointed a new prime minister, Badoglio, and that uh, Mussolini would be taken to a place of safety for his own protection because once this news had got out, anti-fascists were now attacking fascists all across Italy. Mussolini's wife was told of the arrest and was urged to leave a villa at once. She moved into the doorkeeper's cottage. And the doorkeeper's wife started talking about Mussolini's mistress, Claretta. And that was how Mrs. Mussolini found out. Awkward. She was, she was more ups- a bit awkward. She was more upset about this news than she was about the fall of the fascist regime. Well, yeah, I suppose you would be, wouldn't you? What everyone knows. Everyone except me. <laughs> everyone, knows, everyone knows me. Yeah. 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 The place he was taken to was an island prison uh, off the coast of Sardinia. One of the other prisoners there was a former socialist deputy who had been sentenced to 30 years for attempting to assassinate Mussolini many years earlier. So that's a bit awkward oh <laughs> when he turns up. Over and Mussolini's like, you can't have, have me in the same before? prison as my would-be assassin. And they were like, fair point, and moved the socialist elsewhere. 
Because after yeah. it would have been awkward, wouldn't it? It'd be like, I'm sure I recognise you. Yeah, you seem vaguely familiar. Yeah, I remember you coming at me or something. You were coming at me. Yeah, you were last holding time I saw you, there was something between you and me. There was, yeah, you were looking at me down <laughs> the barrel of something. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so I don't know how to pronounce this new prime minister, Badoglio. I think Badoglio. Badoglio, you don't pronounce the G like in Bolognese. You don't pronounce the G. Oh, uh, Badoglio. Okay. Yeah. Badoglio appointed civil servants to the government instead of sort of fascists, and he talked about continuing the war. But his government secretly began peace talks with the Allies. And uh, one of the Allies' demands was that Mussolini be handed over to them. And they were worried that that when peace was announced, Mussolini's supporters might try and break him out of his prison and rescue him. So in August 1943, Mussolini was moved without warning and in great secrecy to a much safer prison on the highest point of the Grand Sasso mountain range north of Rome. And then Badoglio's government accepts the Allied peace terms. And on the 8th of September, 1943, we're in, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. It was announced that an armistice had been signed. Italy, it seemed, was out of the war, John. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Well, are they, though, Angela? Are they? Let's, well. Let's, that might be a good place to have an intermission. Yeah. Get an Italian ice cream, order a pizza, big glass of Prosecco. Make and some poor strategy calls in an F1 race. Sorry, that's just a little, that's little a, bit of that's a niche Formula one, 1 humour there about Ferrari. There we are. <laughs> play, play an over-defensive formation in a World Cup. That's, that's my football one. <laughs> there we are. There we're we are. Both, we've covered We've covered our two sports. Uh, we'll be back after this word from our sponsors. we're back from those exciting adverts that were selling who knows what maybe the algorithm heard us say pizza prosecco and ice cream i don't know but <laughs> angela what are we talking about well where did we John, leave it where did we leave it it was exciting we left it with italy dun 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 out of the war but of Ooh. course anyone with even a passing knowledge of the second world war will be aware that italy did not leave the war in the middle of it spoiler alert and that the allied invasion of italy was quite a big deal so in September 1943, when Hitler learned that Italy had declared an armistice and was out of the war, I think it's fair to say he wasn't happy. He said something like, oh, this is such a nuisance. I'm really fed up about it. That's, that's how he that's talked, he wasn't it? That's how he talked. Oh, yeah. what a nuisance. Because you see him looking so angry in those speeches. But if you don't speak yeah. German, you don't know what he's going. Oh, oh it's German so annoying. just sounds very harsh, John. Yeah, but it, actually. <laughs> what he was saying was quite moderate. Yeah. <laughs> So he immediately ordered the invasion of Italy. It was ironic, actually, because Mussolini had asked Hitler for troops to help his position and he'd been declined. But now he'd been toppled from power and was being held prisoner at the top of a mountain. The very same German troops poured into Italy with their vehicles covered in posters of Mussolini. So as if they were coming to the rescue of the, uh, mm. the old government. So now, Angela, this is the bit that gets me. It comes from the most daring special forces operations of the Second World War. But, of course, there's never been a film mm. or a TV series about it because it was carried out by the baddies. Uh, the the Grand Sasso yeah. Raid uh, was an airborne operation by German paratroopers to rescue Mussolini from his mountaintop prison in a high-risk glider operation. Um, down at the bottom of the mountain, the funicular railway was captured by Germans, uh, while uh, at the top of the mountain, these German gliders landed, each 10 of them, each with nine soldiers, landed at the top of the mountain. One of them crashed but no one was killed. And then 90 well-armed, well-trained German soldiers overwhelmed 200 guards. 
situation was confused by having an Italian general there telling them to stand down. But within 10 minutes, basically, they'd broken Mussolini out and he was on a plane on the way to Vienna. What about that? Ah. And then the very next day, Mussolini met with Hitler, you know, giving the chance to say thank you. And this was a big propaganda coup for the Axis, of course. Very yeah. useful um, because everything else was going pretty badly by this point. Yeah, but imagine if British paratroopers had rescued General de Gaulle from a mountaintop prison. How many movies would they have made about it by now? Oh, but yeah. history is written by the winners, Angela, and that includes screenplays, the novels and the podcasts. Yes, Very much the exactly. Podcast. Exactly. So the Germans by now occupied most of the Italian peninsula uh, with the Allies having a foothold. See what I did there? Foothold. Italian peninsula. Oh, my God. I'd never noticed that before. Uh, Italy's shaped like a... Oh, it's like, it's like a boot. Well, no yes. one's made that observation before. That's crazy. I know. I've just <laughs> noticed it, John. Vitolio's <laughs> um, government fled south to Allied territory while Mussolini was reinstated as the figurehead of a German puppet government. And then civil war is now breaking out all over Italy between fascists and anti-fascists. Yes. So in October, then in October, new development, 13, 13th of October, 1943, Badoglio's government in the south declares war on the Axis powers, which must have been very confusing mm. for Italians who thought they were supposed to be fighting on the other side. They're actually switching yeah. sides during the war. So half of Italy was at war with Hitler. The other half was on the same side as Hitler. But all over the country were partisans trying to overthrow the fascist government. It was just all very confusing, Angela. Yeah. And the Germans didn't want Mussolini in the way in Rome. So he was put up near Lake Como in the north, out the way. Yeah. Uh, he was basically under house arrest by the SS for about 18 months. But it was useful for the Germans to claim they were acting in his name. Yes. So, you know, they obviously thought he was a bit of a liability, but he sort his of name was that, useful. Really. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why... Yeah, he was allowed to. He was allowed to organise the executions of some of the leaders who'd betrayed him at the meeting of the Grand Fascist Council, which included his own son-in-law, which uh, made Christmas dinner a bit awkward. Yeah, he he wrote his memoirs while he was there. He was quite sanguine about his situation. Uh, his planned book was to be called "My Rise and Fall," which is quite telling, isn't it? Because yeah. it wasn't "My Rise and Fall and Rise Again." It wasn't bouncing <laughs> it wasn't, back like Alan. It wasn't Partridge. like exactly. It wasn't <laughs> like oh, obviously I'm going to be back. It was yeah. just. It's I guess it sort of comes to terms with where he was at that point. Yeah, he had his his bit. He's up there by Lake Como, probably a lovely spot. He had his mistress Claretta nearby, and his wife went round to see her and said, "For the good of Italy, she should leave Mussolini alone." But Claretta didn't agree, and there's a big argument. Probably a lot of hand gestures. I'm I'm picturing these two Italian women very cross about their lover. <laughs> it's very expressive, it was. <laughs> oh, dear. And civil war is now raging in the shrinking German half of the peninsula. Uh, but much to Mussolini's dismay, the Germans treated the Italians like the civilians of any other country, not as an ally as he had thought. Yes. So if the Italian yeah. partisans killed a German... The Germans would yeah. just execute 50 or 100 random Italians for every German. And Mussolini wow. said they should only execute partisans, thinking that yeah. the Italians were all loyal to his regime and therefore German occupation. Um, yeah. And then, he, So he managed to haggle it down to only 10 Italians, which is all very gruesome, but I suppose that's an achievement yeah. of sorts. Uh, Mussolini had no interest in peace with the Allies. He predicted an Allied victory that would see the world enslaved under an Anglo-American Jewish plutocracy. Which sounds like it would have been quite hard to have a sensible conversation with him about it all. 
Wouldn't it? Yes. It's, like, it's like one of those people Quite at meetings. Quite not reasonable, is it? Yeah. Yes. No, but the uh, Anglo-American Jewish plutocracy. Oh, no, it's that oh, guy. Here we go. It's him. Yeah, sit down. <laughs> so yes. by May 1944, the Italian partisans were tying down 16,000 German troops, mm-hmm. carrying out assassinations. You never hear much about the Italian resistance, but they were a significant force. Yeah, yeah. No, you hear a lot about um, the French, fact, don't you? But yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even German resistance a bit. But, yeah. Um, no, the Italians fact, were quite Italian historians didn't refer to the struggle as a civil war until the 60s. Yes. Um, and I think that's because, you know, we think Italy was on Hitler's side in the war, but it was much more complex than that. Yeah. Mussolini took what comfort he could from the fact the Allies had not captured Rome or managed to land an army in France. And then on June the 5th, Rome fell. And then on June the 6th, the D-Day landings began. So it was not looking good for his career prospects, Angela. He, no. He said he was determined to recapture Rome, declaring Rome or death. And everyone thought, yep, definitely one of those two, mate. I wouldn't buy a five-year diary if I were you, Benito. <laughs> Quite. So in July 1944, he met Hitler for the last time to discuss the military situation. The last time the two of them met, Hitler had just survived an assassination attempt himself. Yes. It was all going very badly for the whole fascist brand yeah. at this point. Uh, although nobody else there thought it would be a good moment to point that out. No, rude, really. Just, rude. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mussolini refused to think about losing the war and what he should do. He was offered a, a, a submarine. His chief of police suggested that they keep a submarine ready at Trieste in which he could suddenly escape if the Allied armies overran all of Italy. He could escape to Brazil or Patagonia. Even Greenland was suggested. Or wow. I don't know if anyone suggested an empty house in Bath where Haile Selassie had been living, <laughs> but that might have been a bit awkward. I don't know. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Uh, there is a conspiracy theory about this period in Mussolini's life that he was in secret correspondence with Churchill uh, about making an alliance against Stalin. Yes. Letters have been produced, ostensibly written by Winston Churchill, but eagle-eyed experts spotted mistakes on the forged letter heading, said things like 110 Dorning Street, Londonshire. No. But anyway, people have been very keen to believe that Churchill went to paint by Lake Como after the war because he wanted to get his embarrassing letters back. Yeah, but it's a load of bollocks, Angela. In fact, yeah. the, the letters were pretty good forgeries, uh, right. but they were, there was phrases in them that Churchill wouldn't have used and there was a, uh, diary entries that proved that Churchill wasn't where he was on the dates when they were written. But uh, Churchill went to Lake Como to paint after he lost the election in 45, just because he was invited by someone and it was a nice place yeah. to go and get his brushes out. So uh, people yeah, always want to like read a conspiracy. It's not like going to Lake Como to paint is a weird thing to no, do, is it? No. If they said he'd gone to, to I don't know, Moscow to paint, you might have gone, well, that's a bit odd. <laughs> exactly. But, um, yeah. So it's March 1945. Mussolini... He's try, he tries to get the Vatican to approach the British and American governments to make a separate peace agreement against the advancing Russians. The Vatican wouldn't even pass on the message. Again, rude. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, by April, all the German generals and diplomats in Italy were trying to do deals with the Brits and Americans. And wow. Mussolini met up with the leader of the partisans, Cordona. And he said that if he surrendered, would they spare his life and that of his ministers and their families? And Cordona said, um, a bit awkward, not really up to me. They'll probably have some massive war crimes trial. You know, they've got to think about the ratings. They're going to want some big names up there. <laughs> Casting is important. <laughs> so um, Mussolini rather honourably said, I will not surrender without consulting the German general in Italy. 
that would be disloyal. And they were like, oh, didn't you know? He just already surrendered. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so Mussolini said, well, he'll have a think about their proposals for surrender uh, while he was secretly planning to flee to Switzerland. Yeah, he joined a convoy of German trucks heading north, put on the helmet of an airman in the German Luftwaffe as his cunning disguise. Brilliant one, brilliant. <laughs> Great, yeah. Uh, but the convoy was stopped by a large band of partisans and one of the partisans recognised him. You know, Aww. what with him being the most famous face in Italy for the last two yes. decades. Yeah, that'll teach him to um, put a massive poster of himself all over the country. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. You, you, you dug your own grave there, mate, didn't you? <laughs> Um, he wasn't with his wife, but with his lover stroke, mystery stroke, girlfriend stroke, whatever we've decided to call her, Claretta. Yes, they were held in a farmhouse. And then on the 28th of April, 1945, they were driven 20 kilometres and told to get out and stand by a wall, which is not a That's good thing. That's never a good thing to be asked to do, is it? When there are people holding machine No one's machine ever guns. gone, go stand by that wall. Ta-da, we've thrown ah. you a party. <laughs> <laughs> so the communist partisans, uh, the one who was going to shoot him, his gun jammed. He's like, oh, hang on a minute, sorry. Do you mind? Do you mind holding on? My gun's down. I've got to get to borrow another. We had to Bear borrow with. another gun, <laughs> and they were shot dead. Yeah, and their bodies were driven to Milan, and the bodies yeah. were dumped in a square where partisans had been executed just the previous year. Yeah, and a big crowd gathered, kicking the corpses, pelting them with vegetables, shooting them, and urinating on them. Oh, there's no need for that. I mean, I know emotions are riding high. We've all been through a world war, but can we please have a little dignity and go to the toilet in private, somewhere hygienic? Really? <laughs> it's quite a visual image, isn't it? The, and, and such a sort of, from someone who, who uh, you know, with those strong man ideals to just his body just be rotting in a square and being pissed on. It's quite a... I'm very disappointed in them. They were the good guys. Yeah. We were trying to have an image of the goodies and they're like, don't we on the corpse. <laughs> oh, so dear. after a while, the bodies were taken, hanged upside down from the girders of a half-built petrol station and that was the photograph that went around the world. Yes. Mussolini's wife yeah. was very upset that his mistress had been with him when he'd been shot, though she said she was sure her husband had been thinking about her when he died. Not sure about uh, that. I think might be thinking. So just, oh, I hope that. I hope this gun jams as well. Is probably what he's thinking. <laughs> um, I think. Um, I think that for me, that'd be the point where I go. Oh, actually, I'm quite glad he had a mistress now. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> Turned out all right oh, for me. Been me. Oh, it's on yeah. just a bullet there. Oh, suddenly, suddenly, I don't mind so much that <laughs> he took a lover. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. She didn't say that out loud, Andrew. If that's what she was. No, thinking. that might be what she thought. We never know. <laughs> yeah. uh, two days later. Hitler himself committed suicide. It's quite possible that seeing what happened to the body of Mussolini was a factor in his decision not to put off the decision any longer and to give orders that his body be immediately burned. Yes. I mean, that would have been quite something to have for the, for the you know, Russians to have Hitler's body, wouldn't it? I wonder what mm. they would have done with that anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it wouldn't have been It wouldn't have been nice. It? it wouldn't have been pretty, no. no. Mussolini was buried in an unmarked grave north of Milan, but then the following Easter, his body was located and dung up by a young fascist and his two mates. And then over the next few months, it was moved from place to place while the authorities were desperately searching for it. And eventually in August, the body, now with its leg missing, Angela, <laughs> was just like it was tracked down to a monastery and two friars were charged with helping the young fascists hide the body. Oh, my God. And then the body's hidden in another monastery for 11 years until 1957, when the government decided to agree to allow for Mussolini's internment at his place of birth. 
Oh, no. So supporters gave the fascist salute at the ceremony and the tomb was decorated with fascist symbols and a large marble head was erected above the tomb. Oh, and of course, the place has become a pilgrimage for neo-fascists. Oh, no. Every year on his birthday, thousands of fascists gather there and agree that the fascist movement had been a splendid experiment that ended very well for Europe and for Italy and we really must do it again sometime. <laughs> so oh, that was so the depressing. pretty disastrous experience of Mussolini during the Second World War. And you know that cliche that at least the trains ran on time? Even that wasn't true. I read a piece years back by a historian who'd been interested to see if there was any evidence for the cliche that at least under Mussolini, the train timetables were rigorously observed. Mm. But of course, it's complete bollocks put about by fascist apologists and boring train spotters. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1946, Italy ceased to become a monarchy following a referendum. Uh, most of the South voted to keep the monarchy. and Most of the North voted for abolition. Sounds like... What would happen here? <laughs> um, king Umberto had only been king for 34 days. His father had abdicated in the hope that his new son would be more popular and the monarchy would be saved. So that worked well. <laughs> and the name Mussolini <laughs> yeah. returned to European politics when his granddaughter, Alessandra Mussolini, rose to fame first as an actor and glamour model. She appeared on the cover of Playboy magazine more than once. And... Uh, then she was elected to the European Parliament representing the neo-fascist party and later Berlusconi's Forza Italia. When she led the People of Freedom, she became the first woman to leave, lead an Italian political party. She's always defended the record of her grandfather, including on Twitter, where she interacted with Jim Carrey and Celtic FC. Really? Yes. There you go. <laughs> so who's, who's, who would have thought it would end up with Celtic FC having a go at Mussolini and the granddaughter defending them. Wow. So my main source for this was uh, Mussolini by Jasper Ridley. So thank you, Jasper, for filling that gap in my knowledge and giving this old white man a chance to talk about the war <laughs> yet again. Uh, did you learn something, Angela? I did learn something. I sort of, you know, knew the bit about the very end and what happened with his body yeah. and stuff. But there, there were bits in between. It's just not really something that's... You know, no, people think that Italy was um, on the side of Hitler and it was it's so much more complicated. It just wasn't that. that simple, was it? It was a country full of partisans and yeah, uh, yeah differing. It feels like views. a feels, anyway. like, feels like Italy is a victim of, of uh World War Two. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing you know what I think, thinking about the the, the tr suffering and the tragedy that befell Italy, it makes me wonder if you've got a tour coming up or any tickets to sell. <laughs> you think that the suffering of thousands of civil war makes you think of my comedy um i do have a tour coming up john thanks for bringing that up uh yes in february 2023 i hit the road my tour is called hot mess yes and tickets are still alarmingly available in many places um you will do from... it on sealand it's very hard yeah. to get to i know you know the lord there <laughs> the website is angelabarnescomedy.co.uk a couple of dates have sold out but there's still a lot that still have tickets available no way, way. and there will be um, more dates going on sale a couple more in the spring coming up and then there'll be a whole other leg in autumn so if I'm not coming to where you are yet it doesn't mean I won't be at all but I might be I might not I can't be, go everywhere it's so oh. funny when you announce a tour it is funny why are you and coming to the lovely. silly aisles <laughs> Every, you know, and it, why aren't you coming here? Why aren't you coming there? And you're like, I literally can't go to every yeah. single town yeah. because that would take me the rest of my life. Um, and also, you do only, you can only do a tour where you're invited to. Like, ah, I don't, 
Yeah. I don't get to choose. Right. <laughs> the venue has to want me, you know? If you don't, um, if you don't fancy Angela's tour, come and see Mr. Doubtfire. It opens at the <laughs> oh, Shaftesbury yes. Theatre in May. Much fun for all the family. Tickets are selling fast. So, Angela, you must yeah. come to opening night at that. I will. I will be there. So I next think I week, get to put on like a ne- nice frock or something. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Know, red carpet and all that. Up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love some of that. Um, next week is the last show of the series before we break for Christmas, isn't it? It is. And we are going to end on something slightly more festive than Mussolini, oh, I think, oh. John. Oh, I thought he was Just... quite jolly. I thought it was a happy story. <laughs> <laughs> I love the bit where he's swinging upside down from the half-finished petrol station. Like A bit like a bauble on a Christmas tree. Yeah, it was a bit like That's what I made me think of. Maybe I wonder if we could get a little Muss- Mussolini and Claretta baubles for this year. <laughs> we should sell them in our shop. <laughs> I've never been so pleased that we don't have merch. Right. <laughs> right. That's it for us. Please do, um, you yeah, know what I'm going to say. If you, you can go and give us a little five-star review, that really helps with the old uh, algorithms. It's just nice to hear tell what your you friends. think. And um, yeah, give us a tweet on at We Are History Pod. We love uh, seeing you on Twitter and all that. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week for our final episode of the year and the series. Thanks a lot for listening. 